And we welcome you in to episode seven of the best podcast available presented by our great friends at Key Private Bank. A reminder, Key Private Bank is at the forefront of helping affluent families take a comprehensive approach to building, managing, and protecting their wealth in any market environment through objective advice and personalized solutions. Happy to have them on board here as a sponsor for the best podcast available. I'm Jason Gibbs alongside Andrew Gribble. Coming up on the program program today, Mark Schofield from USA Today and Touchdown Wire will join us, and the Z will join us. Nathan Zagura will be back as we re-rank our top 10 positions of need now that we are over a week into NFL free agency. Gribbs, first and foremost, Time to take a look at the hit list and the top stories making news as it pertains to the draft. And the biggest one, the NFL announcing this week that the draft will, of course, be in Cleveland, will be here. Roger Goodell will be here. We think most of the prospects will be here. Still to be determined on that. But there will be a draft. It will be held here in Cleveland. And get ready on the North Coast maybe even some fans, depending on if they're vaccinated or not. Uh, But there will be festivities, and we are very much looking forward to it and very excited to host the 2021 NFL Draft. Yeah, you know, and I think we all go back to that. I I think it was, was it about like a year and a half ago where we were all downtown for that huge announcement. The weather was perfect. I mean, it was maybe the most excitement, you know, we've been around for a while because it was obviously going into that uh, vaunted 2019 season where excitement was at an all-time high. But I want to get back to that moment. And I think that this is close. It's probably not the full thing that if if everything was normal where Cleveland would show out in the biggest possible way for this. But I do think this is a big step in the right direction. And I I think that the NFL and, and Cleveland understand the importance they're playing in this and that this can be one step closer to normality. And I I think it's good that uh, Cleveland businesses downtown, which has been hurt a lot uh, through this pandemic, that they get an opportunity to benefit from this as well. And uh, I think it's a good opportunity for Cleveland to to show that they can put off, put on a big event with a lot of restrictions, uh, making sure everyone's safe, but still have that kind of festive atmosphere. And I think it was a welcome sight to see, and, and it's only possible because of this amazing uh, vaccinations that have been going on over the last few months and the, the breakthrough in technology to even get a vaccine out there uh, so quickly. So uh, it, it'll be, I, I'm excited about it. I'll be in Berea where, where the action's happening, uh, where, where the Browns are making the picks, but it, it'll be a kind of a once in a lifetime experience for people to actually get to go uh, to this event, which is something that Cleveland has been, been wanting to have ever since you know, this, the draft started becoming mobile uh, a few years ago. Yeah. The NFL draft main stage will be on the North side of first energy stadium, right on the lake. Could make for, could make for a little bit of a cold night, depending, or knock on wood, the weather is nice and beautiful. And it's a beautiful little sunset as Roger Goodell goes to the podium to announce that first pick in the 2021 NFL draft, Uh, lots of entertainment uh, on various stages and NFL experience, fan experience, Uh, and a lot of things that are still to be determined in terms of who can attend, who can't attend. Uh, Vaccinations will play a big part in that as well. And obviously, just like with the Super Bowl, uh, the NFL's plan and the city's plan to, you know, really welcome in and have first responders be the the focal point of the celebration uh, is it's just a fantastic idea and a continuance from that Super Bowl that I, that I love to see from everyone. 
And it'll be interesting with the Browns at number 26. That's the that's the the murky zone on if the player you're picking is 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 are they going to be in Cleveland and do they get a nice short drive over to Berea for that early Friday press conference or they could be flying in from the other side of the, of the country. I mean, that's it's up in the air. When you're at 26, uh, that's that's hit or miss with with people being in attendance at the draft. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that's the latest on the draft. It will be here in Cleveland that final weekend and week in April into May. And we could not be more excited. The 29th, the 30th, and of course, May 1st to wrap things up in the 2021 NFL draft. The Browns officially, Gribs, you had a story out earlier this week. Nine picks in the 2021 NFL draft. One pick in rounds one, two, five, six, and seven. Two picks in rounds three. Two picks in rounds in round four. And by the way, round seven, pick 257. It's not Mr. Irrelevant but it's close. Yeah. It's the latest the Browns have had a pick since the draft went to seven rounds. So that's a long time. That's dating back to 1994 and it's the latest pick they've had in the draft since 1992. Uh, so it can make for a long Saturday, or if you, you package that in a deal, it, it could be an early end of the day because you got that sixth round pick and then you can call it, call it a weekend, but uh, it, it's a nice setup for the Browns. They've got the, the additional picks, uh, in the third round, courtesy of the Saints, if you guys remember that trade from last year they made in the draft, that was a, a key acquisition to just get uh, an extra third round pick. The extra fourth rounder is going to be early in the fourth round. It comes from Philadelphia in the, in the Gennard Avery trade, and you've got your bases covered. The Browns gave up their fifth round pick uh, in the, the Ronnie Harrison trade. They gave up a uh, seventh round pick for the Andy Janovich trade, but you get back both those picks with trades, one from the Rams with Austin Corbett, and then that last pick came via the bills in the Wyatt Teller trade. So it is interesting because usually you have the, I thought typically you've got compensatory picks at the end of the seventh round. That's not the case this year. So it's just these last few teams that have these last final picks. So we'll see how the Browns use them. It'll be interesting to see if they actually make nine picks in this draft. I would take the under at this point, but you never know. I think that that's a, that's a floating target. I think at this point, because it all depends on how, how the draft plays out. Yeah, that's I was going there next. Like, what are the odds that this team is really going to make all nine of those picks? I, I think that, it's but tough. it gives them capital to move around if if someone is on the board a little bit longer than they should be. Yeah, you got to have uh, people willing to take them off your hands, and it's it'll be interesting to see how that what the overall collective strategy is by NFL teams this year. Are, are they chalking up this college football season as one that was a little too tough to evaluate and they are punting till next year when they get a full college season to look at, or are they going to take advantage of maybe some uh, loopholes in the system, guys that are maybe falling that farther than they should be. So uh, we'll see. Nine would be a lot, uh, especially with this roster where you look after free agency pretty full. I mean, it'd be, I don't know where you fit in nine more players after the moves you've made. So uh, you don't want to just make picks just to cut these guys. So it'll be interesting to see what what kind of moves the Browns make to to make to maximize the assets they take into this draft. All right. So real quick, because I, I was thinking about that as I look at those nine picks and the haul that Andrew Barry and company have done here in the last week and change with free agency. Are we still going to be able to carry a practice squad of 16 players or is that going to shrink? Is that going to stay what it is? Yeah, I think that all that stuff is up in the air still. And I, I think that a lot of these things that the NFL implemented uh, during the pandemic season are things that I think teams like. I, I think that it, it, it's, it's, it was maybe nice to have that kind of practice squad going throughout the year. I mean, you certainly needed it. 
uh, last year. You might not need it as much this year. And, and I do think the, the roster things that they were able to do pregame, I, th I think those things are here to stay, where you can go up to 55 for, for game days and, and things like that. I think that is here to stay. So that was another area where you can really make the most out of the players on your roster. So uh, end of the day, e either way, you, you got to have 53. And I think the Browns right now, even without these draft picks, they've got a solid 53. Uh, so now it's about putting competition where you need to have it uh, and, and finding players that can maybe push the right buttons and fit your scheme the way you want it. Something to look, look at and monitor, uh, especially because you could make some deals prior to the draft uh, getting going here in, uh, in about is it five weeks, six weeks, about five, maybe about I think. five, I think. Yeah. It, it, it's quickly approaching is basically what it is. As I mentioned, Nathan Zagura is going to join Gribble and I a little bit later in the program right now, though, we had a chance to sit down with Mark Schofield from USA today's touchdown wire. He's got his post free agency mock draft out talking to him about that. Also, his thoughts on what the Browns did in free agency. Have a watch and have a listen. And here on the best podcast available, happy to be joined by Mark Schofield from USA Today's Touchdown Wire. You've heard him on Cleveland Browns Daily and uh, a number of other properties and happy to have him join us for a couple minutes this week on the best podcast available. And Mark, uh, free agency the bulk of it is done. Still a lot of things that could happen uh, for, in terms of smaller deals, but the big stuff is in the rearview mirror for the most part. Your thoughts on what the Browns have done here in 2021? I really like what they've done. I mean, I, I think you, you start with Jason John, uh, Johnson, the safety. I think that was a tremendous acquisition. I, I think you look at the Browns defense last year, they had a bunch of different players that were more suited to that sort of box safety down near the line of scrimmage type of role. And now you've added the free safety that can patrol the middle of the field, be that center fielder type of player. And I think that frees up the rest of the safeties on the roster to be in roles that they're more comfortable with, they're more suited for. And I think that's an acquisition that improves the bulk of the secondary, not just one position, because when you free up players to do what they're better suited to do, it makes everybody better. So I love that acquisition. I also like the Troy Hill addition. I think that was a nice move for, you know, to address the outside cornerback role. So I think those two positions of the secondary, those are two really nice additions. I also like Walker, the linebacker. I know linebacker is kind of a position that is getting somewhat devalued in the modern game. But I do think when you see more teams perhaps start running 12 personnel, Cleveland has one team that does that themselves. They use a lot of 12 and even 13 personnel, multiple tight end packages. You need linebackers in today's game. And so I think the Walker addition was nice. I've been very impressed with what they've done. And I do think Britton Richard Higgins back, I think was a very smart decision because you saw his relationship with, with Baker Mayfield, the way they were able to sort of feed off of each other in the passing game, how Mayfield would sometimes find him in those scramble drill moments. I think anytime you can bring a receiver back, continue that relationship between receiver and quarterback, that's a smart move for an organization. So I've been very impressed with Cleveland so far. Now, did there did the Browns moves change how you were projecting that the team would go in the draft or, or are you kind of holding serve with what you think the Browns are addressing early in this draft? Yeah, Andrew, I'm kind of holding serve and, you know, it's interesting. Cleveland at this point, I think, can go more depth than anything else. They could look at value. They could look at, like you guys say, best player available. Um, you know, if a position, if a player in a position that they may not 
really need to address, but represents great value falls to them with that pick in the first round, they could draft that player. Say hypothetically, a, a JC Horn, who is a fascinating cornerback prospect from South Carolina, a player that was used on Kyle Pitts at times, was used in the slot against Elijah Moore, the shifty change of direction receiver for Mississippi. This is a very talented cornerback. Now, he probably goes early in the draft. I would I'd be very surprised if he gets out of, say, the teens. But if he falls to Cleveland, that's a fantastic piece because you can use him on tight ends. You could use him on X receivers. You could use him on slot receivers. That's how South Carolina used him. And so Cleveland is in a very good position given some of the moves that they had. And let's not forget, this is a very good roster to begin with coming off of a playoff win. They could address a player that falls and get value, or they can go at, say, you know, the linebacker position, which is a position I've looked at in a couple of different mock drafts, or even the offensive side of the ball. If they like a receiver that's there, they can go in that direction. So they have a number of different options. And I love when teams have that flexibility. They don't have to force a pick. If they have a glaring need, they can go in a couple of different directions. Cleveland's in a position to do that, and I really like that for them. Mark, it's been a long time since we've been able to say that we can take the best right. You don't have to go quarterback now, Browns fans. That has to be a great feeling, right? It does. It does indeed. I know you have your latest mock draft out, and it was right after the first couple days of free agency and the flurry. As you're, and you can catch that at touchdownwire.usatoday.com. Uh, make sure you check out Mark's latest mock draft. As you've been putting together the mock and as you've been studying and, get, and getting ready for this 2021 NFL draft, what is the number one position of strength defensively overall? Uh, is there a position that stands out that just has more players available than anybody else? You know, I, I think cornerback is somewhat of a deep position. This is an interesting defensive draft. I think, you know, in talking to people in and around the league and talking to other people that have scouted this draft class, it does seem like this is a stronger offensive class than defensive class sort of overall. You look at cornerback and, you know, Patrick Sturtan at the top, Caleb Fairley, although he now has the back issue that is going to have to get surgery for him. Um, Greg Newsom, J.C. Horn, who I've talked about, Eric Stokes, Asante Samuel Jr. There's some depth and talent to that cornerback room. And so I think that's a good class. That's a good position group. Another position group, which is interesting is edge. A lot of talented players, but still you have some question marks, whether it's Jalen Phillips from Miami and his injury history, whether it's Aziz Ajari from Georgia and his, you know, raw talent, will that translate? Can he sort of round out the repertoire of pass rushing moves. So edge is an interesting group. There might be some risks there at the top, but if you hit in the right guy and develop them, you could get a fantastic player. Linebackers, another interesting group. And again, that position has been somewhat devalued in today's game. But I think if you look at particularly the players at the top, whether it's Jeremiah Wosu Korma from Notre Dame, whether it's Baron Brown and Zavin Collins, these are players who I like potentially fitting into Cleveland because they're very athletic. You know, when you're watching the Notre Dame player cover Amari Rogers in the slot when they played Clemson. You know, he's very similar to how the 49ers use Fred Warner. He might be in the A gap on first down, might be on the edge in second down, might be in the slot on third down. That's just sort of a linebacker name only. He's more of a defensive weapon that you can line up all over the place. Same with Brown and same with Collins, who you might see off the edge. He's a very big player, but athletic for his size. And so those are some position groups, I think, that do you know provide some options for the Browns, whether it's a 26 or later in the draft. Maybe explain a little more about Awusu Koromora. He sounds like a guy that is the future of NFL defense. What what about him 
makes him potentially available at 26 and and what scenario could you see him going even earlier because of all that flexibility? Yeah, Andrew, I do see him potentially going earlier because of that flexibility. You know, he's he's similar in a sense, although Isaiah Simmons was a bit, you know, more of a highly regarded prospect coming out of Clemson last year. He went, you know, top 10 to Arizona, but that sort of positionless defender, somebody that, like I said, you know, you might see him you know, aligning the A-gap and blitz on first down. Then they might sort of kick him outside to the slot on second down and cover Amari Rodgers, you know, and that, and that's a very impressive, you know, study to me. When you watch that regular season game between Notre Dame and Clemson, you can see a match in Amari Rodgers, a very shifty change of direction slot receiver, and he's running with him stride for stride. He's a player that you can use in a number of different roles. And when so many offenses try to generate matchups and try to use tempo to create mismatches all over the field on the offensive side of the ball when you have a player that can be sort of a mismatch eraser like him you know if you're worried about you know a shifty receiver if you're worried about even a tight end or something like that this is somebody that you can put on that player and sort of feel a little bit better about the next snap from the defensive perspective so I think these positionless type defenders are sort of the wave of the future whether it's Owosu Kamara whether it's Baron Brownin whether it's Zavin Collins these players that can fill different roles are so important for teams and so I do think that those players are options at 26 I know I've gotten some pushback on that already I had a, a team needs piece for the Browns and I mentioned those players at 26 and there's been a lot of pushback on that and I understand it but I do think that these players are sort of linebackers in name only they're not your traditional between the tackles two down thumpers you have to take off the field on third down. These are guys you keep on the field on third down because of what they offer. And I think the ability to offer more on the defensive side of the ball as a single position player, that's valuable in today's NFL. Mark Schofield joining us uh, covers the NFL for USA Today's Touchdown Wire. And Mark, taking a look at that edge position, you know, I know I looked at your mock, the first edge off Quiddy Pay from, uh, from Michigan it's an interesting group because there's some talent right at the very beginning. I don't know if there's going to be guys at 26 that are immediate impact guys though at the edge rusher position. It kind of drops off a little bit. It does drop off a little bit. And you might have to sort of look at an option there at 26. If these edges go a little bit early, whether, you know, Ojalary's off the board, if pays off the board, if Phillips is off the board, you might have to sort of either take a more developmental type of player or somebody that might be just sort of a sub package rusher. And I'll give sort of two options there. Joseph Osai from Texas, more of a developmental player, right? When you watch him on film, snap anticipation has been a problem. Benjamin Solak from the draft network did a video on that. I did a video on that as well. There are times when you see him very slow to come off the ball and tackles can get into him before he's even out of his three point stance. But when he puts it together, you see that explosiveness. And then when you see, him test 41 and a half inch vertical almost an 11 foot broad jump that's explosiveness so if you can sort of coach that up you might get a great player there the problem is can you get that coached up you have to have sort of that belief in your system and your coaching staff that we can iron that out another option might be jason awoto um the penn state pass rusher you know he didn't have a ton of production last season zero sacks more of an athletic speed guy off the edge but if you could pair that miles garrett you know, you might be able to put him in some sort of some sub packages, use him as a pure pass rushing option on third and long, on second and long situations, because you know what's going to happen, right? 
offenses are going to slide protection to Miles Garrett. He's going to get the doubles. He's going to get the chips. He's going to get all the attention. And you create those one-on-one matchups. And a player with that athleticism, that speed, that burst, that change of direction ability can win in those situations. So you might have to sort of sacrifice and not get the all-around edge pass rushing package. But you might have to sort of take a bet on upside or try to get a player like Jason Owenu from Penn State that can give you sort of some one-on-one matchups and windows, given what Miles Garrett is doing on the opposite side. When you're looking at the Browns at 26, who are some teams ahead of them that, that are probably dangerous for the Browns in terms of going after probably the same kind of players? I mean, I, I think a team that you might have to sort of worry about there, there's a couple, I think Indianapolis might be looking edge, you know, Frank Reich talked recently about how they were in the market for a couple of edges this draft cycle and didn't quite work out for them. So they might go edge. So if Cleveland's thinking about adding a presence opposite miles Garrett, that could be a team to watch. Then of course there's Pittsburgh, right? You know, Pittsburgh just lost Bud Dupree. You know, they would love to have somebody opposite TJ Watt. You know, Osai might be a fit there. Um, Some of the other edges could be fits there. So if you look at those positions, those might be scenarios where, you know, you might see a player come off the board that the Browns might be targeting at 26. Would the Cleveland think about getting up ahead of those teams? Maybe. Um, But that's those are two teams to watch there. If you're thinking about cornerback, the Jets at 23. You know, I, I look at that Jets secondary room and if Cleveland's thinking perhaps corner, you know, those that might be a team there at 23. I've had them looking at, say, Greg Newsom from Northwestern, who's getting a little buzz this draft cycle as we get closer to the draft. That might be a team to watch if Cleveland is perhaps thinking about adding another piece at corner. You know, the Jets at 23 would be a team there. Mark, appreciate the time. Fantastic stuff. We love having you on and appreciate all of the insight and and love reading your stuff at at Touchdown Wire and wishing you all the best. And I'm sure we'll be talking with you soon and take care and buckle up because I don't know how this is going to go here over the next with all these quarterbacks and wide receivers. Just keep taking all those guys because that's yeah, exactly right. If you're a Browns fan, you want Mac Jones coming off the board at 12. You want somebody to fall in love with Kyle Trask. I mean, you get five, six quarterbacks in the top 20 of this draft. Cleveland's going to have one heck of a player fall to them at 26. So thanks so much for having me, guys. Had a blast. Thanks to Mark Schofield from USA Today and Touchdown Wire for giving us a few minutes of his time breaking down free agency and putting out his latest mock draft, talking about his latest mock draft post-free agency. We move on. We welcome in Zagura into the hot seat. Clooney, back on a Thursday. Yes. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Uh, it, a couple of weeks ago, I gave you guys the task of coming up with ranking the top 10 positions of need. This was going into free agency. Clearly a lot has happened since then. We are going to go back through and re-rank now that the bulk of free agency is in the rearview mirror. There's still a lot that can happen. There's trades that can happen. And of course, the draft is yet to come. So what are the Browns' biggest needs now that free agency is starting to wind down here a little bit? We will rank them. We will start with Zagura. I wanted to only do eight because the quarterback, running back, we're safe. We're good. Things are good. Zagura wants to overachieve. We'll stay with the top 10. Zagura, number 10 in terms of the Browns' most important need remaining. Well, first of all, first of all, we got to have consistency. What does Kevin Stefanski want out of his players? Consistency. We did 10 before. We're going to do 10 again. Consistency. It's very important. Plus, I want you at the end to tell us if anything has changed because I don't remember what we said. That was a while ago. So I'm very curious to see if, if anything changes in this. So we'll go stay with consistency. 
and I'll also preface by this. I don't think we have any needs anymore. I don't think we have a single glaring need on this roster anymore. I think there are things that you want to buttress, things that you'd like to fortify with some depth, but we can roll out exactly what we have right now, offensively, defensively, and feel pretty darn good about it, especially our starting lineup. And that's a starting lineup on defense now that you could run base, nickel, dime, three safeties, three corners. You can do all sorts of different things. And we're set with a starting lineup as of today, which is unbelievable, the transformation that has been done in two weeks. Now, what you asked me to do, number 10, running back. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Dearness Johnson, Andy Janovich, running it back. Uh, I think we're in a great spot there. Perhaps they draft somebody, you know, to compete for that third running back and then maybe as a succession plan for a number two down the road because it probably will be tough to keep Kareem and, and uh, Nick forever. But right now, not a need whatsoever. Gribble, number nine to you, sir. Yeah, just to add to that really quick, do you think there's a team in the NFL that has had the same top three running backs for three straight seasons? in the modern era, like in this like time, like that's, that's some, un, that's, that's not normal to have no. that kind of stability at the running back position, which is one of the most unstable in the entire league. But uh, I agree with that. And I'm sure Nathan agrees with this. Number nine quarterback. You didn't need to do anything in free agency with this. You're set with Baker Mayfield. You have one of the best backups in the league case Keenum, who could probably start on a number of teams in the NFL right now, but he is, he gives you a good spot. I mean, maybe, Maybe add some competition for that number three spot in the draft or un, un, undrafted free agency. We'll see, but not an area need and certainly not an area the Browns need to be active uh, in free agency. Any thoughts on the QB spot before we go to number eight, Ziggur? No, I mean, you said it all. It's perfect. All right. On to number eight for you. The most pressing need for the Browns remaining here in 2021. Uh, number eight for me is going to be safety. I'm going to switch it up. Let's get something on the defensive side of the ball here in the bottom half of the league. And I could have gone tight end. I could have gone receiver. I could have gone offensive line. I'm going to go safety. The addition of John Johnson, the third, the return of Grant Delpit. You've got Ronnie Harrison. You've got Sheldrick Redwine. You have Javante Moffitt, who the team liked a lot that was active for a game last year. Elijah Benton, same thing. So you already have six safeties here in your building. And I think you've got the opportunity to play three of them together at a very high level. So I don't think that there is any need whatsoever to address that position. Gribble, agree, disagree? Uh, I don't agree. Uh, I, I'm, I'm much more optimistic on safety than I was a week ago, but I'm not there. I'm not quite there yet. I, I think you could still add via the draft or even maybe take a flyer on someone that's still available in free agency that to fortify your depth even more at that position. Because we, I, I would like to play with three safeties no matter what no matter if you have an injury or two. So I want to be ready uh, in that situation. So I, I, I think eight is probably a little too high, low. I forget which direction we're going with this one. I, I'll go with low on that one. But number seven, if we're going in order still, I'll go with offensive line. I, I think you you only had one free agent. That was Kendall Lamb. He's on the Titans now. You brought in Greg Sinat, who the team clearly likes. They, they, had, they brought him in as a practice squad player early last year. They protected him a couple of times, if you don't remember, using that practice squad protection rule. Ultimately lost him to the Cowboys, uh, and he was a special teams kind of blocker for them last year. So he's going to be your – he's going to compete for that swing tackle job. You're hoping that Chris Hubbard comes back, but you're bringing back the entire starting line, offensive line that was the best offensive line in the NFL last year. I think you're pretty good there. Let's see if they maybe add another tackle prospect in the draft, but otherwise uh, you're looking pretty good. Safety, by the way, was one of the top four needs. Yeah, and then we Only got the best one in free agency. Not a need anymore. Well, maybe we need a little 
We got six Gribble. guys. There. I don't know. Gribble kind of disagrees a little bit. That's I like fine. That. I was ready to move him down. I wasn't. I wasn't going to move him down that far. I just wanted to fix that way. Got to go offensive line, tight end. I think we've done some things on defense that are no longer needs, and I want to reflect that. I like it. Goes to AB. Zagura, number six to you, sir. I'll go tight end here, even though there, I, I might. I was thinking defensive tackle as well, just to keep spicing it up. But I'll go tight end. You're running back all four from last year. I mean, Austin Hooper, David Njoku, Harrison Bryant, Stiff Arm Steve. You're you're set there. You're very good position for uh, going forward at tight end. Gribble, agree, disagree? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's a tough one, honestly, between tight end and offensive line. I just think that the the difference is, if you're looking at a position group, I think the offensive line group as a whole performed at an overall higher level in the tight ends. But the tight ends pretty well last year, too. It's just tough competition between those two. On to our top five. By the way, uh, defense occupied, I think, all five of these spots. Wide receiver was on the outside looking in. I think it was at number six, if my uh, my math is correct, from two weeks ago. It's a list. It doesn't involve math, you man. It does. There's counting. <laughs> there's numbers. There's math. I am not a math guy. Uh, on to number five. And Gribble, I believe you're up. Gribble. I'm sticking with offense. I'll, I'll go with wide receiver at number five. The, just like tight end, you're basically running it back. I mean, you're, you've got Rashard Higgins back on a one-year deal. Uh, Kadero Hodge has been tendered, so he has the opportunity to explore. But, you know, odds are you think he'll be back as well. And, and you're bringing back the whole group. I thought they performed at a high level. You're expecting Donovan Peoples-Jones to take another step. And then you've got this draft, which I think played a role in the free agency class not going as, as expected for these wide receivers. Uh, it's a deep class, and I think you can get better via the draft, but it's not exactly an area where you have to be active on day one or even day two. I think you're you're set with with two of the best wide receivers in the league, hopefully back at full strength. And uh, the key will be making it work with Rashard Higgins as a number three, potentially, how, how you get him involved, how you get the other people involved. I, I just think that the group's fine. And then we'll see uh, how healthy they can be uh, come July. Zagura, if the Browns were to take a wide receiver in the draft, day one, day two, day three. Well, that's why I was going to disagree. I think it is still very much on the table that the Browns take a receiver day one or day two. I probably won. It's possible. I think it's possible. I think receiver, if you're looking at it in the vacuum of the year 2021, you're good. But if you start looking ahead and think about succession planning into 2022, I don't think you are good. I think you've got a ton of money tied up. You've got decisions that are going to have to be made with certain players. You've got Higgins on a one-year deal. I think this draft with how good it is and the way that they did everything in free agency. And the reason why I wouldn't have put receiver at five, I would have put it up a little more is because I do think it's possible that a day two pick ends up being a receiver. So the position that I would have put there was defensive tackle. I don't think we take a tackle day one or day two, because now you've got Sheldon Richardson, Billings, Malik Jackson, Elliot. Now you could say, turn that around and say, well, Nathan, you probably need some succession planning in defensive tackle as well. I just don't think that that type of succession planning will ever be something that this front office would invest a first or a second round pick in. Unless it's a pass rusher extraordinaire, which I don't think you're finding interior pass rushers at 26. On to number four, top four. Zagura, we'll start with you. I think I just did it. Defensive, defensive tackles? tackles? Yeah. Okay. 
I didn't know if you, I didn't know if that's no, that was it. rolled into it. So I was like defensive tackle. Yeah, that was that's what I was thinking for those two positions. And in fact, I also considered linebacker given the the number of moves and how many linebackers we now have here. Um, but I, I would say defensive tackle. Yeah, I'll put it for Gribble agree. You know, I, I I do think defensive tackle is a is a pretty big need because I agree with Nathan's logic on you need some succession plans there. You're going into the 2021 with Andrew Billings, who you're expecting to have a role in this team, but he didn't play last year. Malik Jackson is is entering his his tenth season. He's hoping for a bounce back season. He wants to get back to the level he was playing at a few years ago. Sheldon Richardson has been around for for a while. I, I think you, you probably I don't know what you could do to maybe fortify this year's roster while also looking ahead because. You look at it, you got your top four guys. It's hard to fit more than four at that position on the roster, but it's definitely a position you're going to have to start addressing uh, in a big way in, in the near future. So I probably would have bumped them up maybe to three, but instead of them being three, I will put, and this is a tough one for me, uh, I'm going to put corner at number three for, for right now. I, I think that... That was number because, one for me. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that corner is an area where you basically, you, I think you improved. You clearly improved in free agency by getting Troy Hill, who played, had an exceptional year at slot last year. You're getting back Greedy Williams. I, 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 so I think you're holding serve at that position. You can always add more, but you've got two players that play their position at a pretty elite level. And I just think that you've got the-, the Who are those the two, two players? What? Who are those two players? You got Denzel Ward that plays outside corner at an elite level. And I think Troy Hill based off last year plays that position at a very high level. Yep. And you've got some other players that Greedy Williams, if he gets back to his form, can be all right. I still think at number three, it's an area where you can significantly address. And I think any of these top three positions, I think you could address in the, in the first round. So definitely a need. I just think the other two, to me, are a little higher on the list for now. I couldn't disagree anymore. Quarterback is the number one need of this franchise right now. And I'll tell you, this is the case that I'll lay out for you. First of all, I, we've got six linebackers now. We've got six linebackers. I think, in fact, I, I know Andrew Barry and our front office likes our linebackers a heck of a lot more than the rest of the world. I also know that they do not think, you know, investing a first round pick in a linebacker is something that I, I think an off ball linebacker who does not rush the passer is something that they would be interested in. So you look at your linebacker room, Anthony Walker Jr. You bring back Malcolm Smith. You've got the three young guys. You've got Jacob Phillips, who I think everybody in the organization is expecting to take a big leap. Taki Taki, who really impressed everybody in the organization last year. And then Mac Wilson, who had up and down, but finished with his best game against Kansas City. And you brought back Elijah Lee, who's going to be there to be a linebacker, but as a special teams ace. So you've got six linebackers here already that you like. I don't see them making an investment. By the way, I'm not sure how many times there are going to be more than two linebackers on the field this season. If we're playing three safeties a lot, somebody's got to come off. And my guess is it's probably going to be a linebacker for one of these safeties. So I don't think linebacker as of now, like we could roll that out and play this season and play next season and feel pretty good about where we are. I know Walker and Smith are on one-year deals, but you can figure that out and you've got a core of three. To me, cornerback is completely different. Denzel Ward, absolutely elite. He's never started more than 12 games in a season. Greedy Williams is coming back off of a nerve issue. Didn't start last year. Didn't play. Troy Hill comes in. Yeah, he locks down your slot. But who's your top outside corner backup? 
Is it Troy Hill? Because if it's Troy Hill, then who comes in the slot? MJ Stewart, who had admittedly was up and down last year, huge interception week 17 and in the playoffs. And then what? Robert Jackson, Brian Allen, who we haven't seen, AJ Green, who was much valued as an undraft free agent. Maybe he steps him up, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. I think corner is a massive need. I, there are many famous GM quotes. How many corners do you need? One more. And I think that we are absolutely in need of a corner. I think we're absolutely in need of a, a, a good outside corner. I want to say I can count on Greedy. I don't know that I can count on Greedy. I think if he's back, he's great. I want to say I can count on 16 games from Denzel Ward. I can't. The one guy that was available for 1,225 snaps last year, Terrence Mitchell, gone. Kevin Johnson's gone. And all we've added, yes, we get greedy back. We added in Troy Hill. Of course, on paper, that's a, that two for two should be an upgrade. But our depth is not what it was a year ago. If you think about what we went through a year ago, what would we do? What would we do? And Tavier's gone, who played some significant snaps for you at slot corner. So I think that now, to me, is number one on our list. We, we Every other position, I feel like we could go in, and then defensive end, I want to address as well. But every other position defensively, you can go in with starters, Defensive tackle, linebacker, starters, depth, safety, starters, depth, corner, starters, uh. defensive end, starters. Uh. I just think corner is the most important position, and it would not shock me at all if we took a corner in the first round now. To me, that's where, like, that's where my eyes have shifted, corner first round or second for sure, and I think our first two picks will be some combination of defensive end corner with the wild card being potentially a wide receiver. I, I want to go back. You, you talked about the safeties, having three safeties, possibly linebackers only needing two on the field at one time. Can you say the same thing about defensive line and defensive tackle? Because we saw a lot of three defensive end setups. Now, that's the NASCAR package on third down. So that's a third down sub package pass rushing group. And yeah, I do think, I think that that's very possible, which is why when I said we're at four defensive ends, like the most we're ever going to have on the field is two unless we're in goal line. And we're probably in a lot of passing situations going to have one on the field. And so, although they like Malik Jackson a lot, that could change the way that they think about it. Chris Kiffin told me that, you know, his ideal defensive line style of play was Jacksonville 2017, which was Ngakwe, Campbell, uh, Dante Fowler, and Malik Jackson were the four that they had down there. So, yeah, you don't, that's why, that's why I felt like you're so good at defensive tackle because we're talking about two, maybe one on the field a lot of times. And which brings to defensive end, if we're, if that's what you're asking me to, to talk about. But, you know, the other thing, too, is I do think that they feel in a pinch if they had to that either Grant or John Johnson. John Johnson played the second most snaps at slot corner last year for the Rams. That if they needed to do something like that and kick Hill outside, that maybe they can play a safety in the nickel and play that style of a defense, which, again, is possible. But I still think corners there. But defensive end right now, Miles, I think Tack, I don't know, he talking to him I felt I I felt it I hope it materializes on the field but I felt his hunger and his passion there's no doubt his tape is excellent and he's an explosive athlete then you've only got Porter and, and you know Curtis Weaver and some guys Cameron Malbo Joe Johnson who appeared at various times but were not really there which is why I think defensive end if you could find the defensive end equivalent of a Malik Jackson right now who wants to come in on a one-year deal I'd feel great about it because everybody in the organization that I've talked to and I talked to a lot of people this week and I know Gribbs did as well Although I think you talk more offensive side, I talk more defensive. Yeah. Curtis Weaver is, is somebody that eyes light up when they, they talk about him. The way that he's transformed his body, the kinds of questions he asks in the meeting rooms. Now, will his 37 sacks at Boise State translate to the NFL? 
I don't know. But what people told me is, look, if you can sack the quarterback in high school, you sack the quarterback in college, you're going to find a way to sack the quarterback in the NFL. But it's a total unknown. But I think they think he can be a guy that in sub-package situations can be a, an effective pass rusher on the field with, say, Miles and Tack and a Sheldon or a, a Malik at the same time. So they do have kind of that rookie there, which is why I said, if you can find the Malik Jackson equivalent, and maybe it ultimately ends up being that Claiborne comes back on a, on a smaller deal. I don't know. But if you can, he's played with Tack before. They worked well together in Atlanta, so there maybe there's something there. But that's really more what I see in defensive end, whereas at corner – I want a young stud. Like I want a young stud in that room because your best ability is your availability. And, and right now we can't say that our corners other than Troy Hill, who's shown the ability to play every snap. We can't, you cannot guarantee right now that availability. So having a stud like that gives you a lot of flexibility. Like if JC Horn were there, which I'm going to manipulate all my mocks to get him down to 26, even though I don't think it's possible, bring him in right now. Like first round pick, forget about it. I don't know if there's a difference maker at defensive end at 26, but there could be a corner, I think, that could become a real difference maker for our football team. All right. So was defensive end number two for you? Oh, yeah. So I would have gone. I've lost I would have gone. Yeah. What did, what did I say was four? You had defensive tackle at four. Corner okay. was number three, according to Gribble. So I would have gone defensive tackle, linebacker, then defensive end corner. All right, so we're going to put you down for defensive end. Okay, thank you. There you go. You asked me a question. That was a follow-up question. Do I think Grimms is number three? Yes. It's all right. All I'm, right. I'm not – I'm relaxed. It's good. Summer than you are. Yeah, exactly. Gribble, number one for you. Well, so I'm confused now. Is linebacker off the board, or is it still the only one? Linebacker is the only one on the board. See, I don't agree with that. So I think I think that I, – to me, when I looked at this list, they're the – the number one came to me right away and that was defensive end because I think you look at the moves you've made in free agency, you've had more subtraction than addition. And I think eventually you will have the addition that's necessary, but you need to make that addition. I think you, you, you've got Olivia Vernon is still an under unrestricted free agent coming off an Achilles stare. Adrian Claiborne is not here. And you brought in Tack McKinley who you're expecting a bounce back season uh, from, but a guy, a guy you're signing to a one-year deal. I look at now at the draft, and it's hard to ignore those pass rushers. It, it's hard to uh, – I'm starting to formulate scenarios where I'm like, what's gonna, what could it take to maybe trade up for a, a, a better pass rusher? Because you have those assets to make the moves because I just think it's a position where you obviously have one of the best in the NFL, if not the best pass rusher in the NFL at the one defensive end spot. And I get that he is a luxury where on the other side, you're, most teams are looking for that Miles Garrett. You're looking for Miles Garrett's number two. But at the same time, I just think you need the depth and you need some more, so a future at that position. Look at, I go back to remember when the, uh, the Browns played the Broncos in 2015 and just seeing that team having a Von Miller, Shaq Barrett, uh, and it, who was the third guy? It was, uh, it was Demarcus Ware. have uh, Demarcus Ware. Demarcus yeah, Ware. Malik Jackson and Derek Malik Wolf. Jackson. I mean, that, that, I just think, look at that. And I'm like, that'd be awesome to have. I think that that can really put you at another level. And I think pass rusher and corner, they're like 1A, 1B in most important defensive position, but I'm giving the edge to pass rusher. And I just think on top of needing potentially another starter, you definitely need depth at that position. So that to me jumped out a little bit more than corner uh, as, as being a top need. And, and I think with linebacker, you help serve. And I think you want to be better at that position than you were last year. You've said this team is high on the linebackers. I think they are, but 
you want to bring in maybe more competition because I think they need to be better. I, I think, and I think everyone would agree that they, they want to be better in, in 2021. So to me, it's, it still is just pass rusher. I think that was my number one going into this and it, it's going to stick, stay that way. I'm, I'm, I like the upside of tack. I think he's saying all the right things and, but I think you want to get him out there and put him in a situation where he's going to be pushed. Uh, and I, I think that that could happen both, through free agency still, there's still some guys out there that can help you out there, but certainly in the draft where, like you said, you're going to be willing J.C. Horns of the Browns at number 26. I may be willing a, a Gregory Rousseau, a Quiddy Pay. I mean, I may be sure. uh, bumping their stock down just to get him to 26, or you, you do what the Steelers did a couple years ago. You, you see a, de a defensive player that you like that you can maybe plug in right away. You make the move up a, a few spots and, and go get them. I think the Browns are in position where they don't need to make nine picks in this draft. You can go make, use those assets and, and get a player that can make an immediate impact on your defense. And it I think, will be interesting because the Steelers are four ahead of us at 22, I believe. They're going so, offensive line, I would think. I would think, which is, yeah, it is interesting. It's, all of it's interesting because the Colts could go offensive line or they could go defensive end. The Titans signing Bud Dupree, that was a team that was always taking a defensive end in the mock. So that eliminates one uh, from a defensive end standpoint. Look, the fact is, a corner and a, and a defensive end are in a different stratosphere than anything else on this team. Like if you're saying you have needs, those two are one and two, and then third might as well be a hundredth. Honestly, I, I don't think that you are forced to compel to do anything else. Like maybe you can move receiver up from the succession planning standpoint we talked about, but in terms of needs, it's, it's those two. And it would not surprise me at all if somehow we come out of, you know, days one and two, and we have a defensive end and a corner are within, certainly within those four picks. And it could end up being a defensive end, two corners could be a defensive end, a corner, a receiver. Then you can, once again, day three or, or the third round with those two picks, that's, yeah, a little flexibility, but it wouldn't surprise me if our first two picks are in some order, a corner or, and a defensive end with the only wild card, I think being in there would maybe be a receiver. And that would be to me much more around two than around one. All right, guys. Updated top 10 needs list going into the draft. Just a few weeks away. About a month away, guys. A month. It is. And, and I do think, though, we're well set up enough, especially contingent upon prior to the draft. If, if Gribbs mentioned, you know, we bring in a veteran defensive end between now and the draft, then I think – we really are in a position at 26. If there's somebody that is just that they thought was the 12th best player on the board, even though he's not necessarily the position of need, I think we're in a position where we can take that person where I don't know the last time we were in a position like that. No. That's what no. good teams do. Right. Yeah, exactly. Zagura, appreciate your time. As uh, pleasure. Mr. Clooney. It's been fun. Gribble. Well done as always. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe today to the best podcast available. Make sure you log on to clevelandbrowns.com if you want to check it out on there. Or you can watch us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Browns. We're back with you next week. Thanks to Mark Schofield from USA Today and Touchdown Wire. Thanks to Jeff McDaniel for all of his work behind the scenes. For Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the best podcast available presented by Key Private Bank.